0: Sixty-seven travel in the time of cholera. I'm Merle Riedel, and you're listening to a November fifth, two thousand eight podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. along a lonely road near Wamego, Kansas, once lay the tombstone of S.M. Marshall. His full name is not known, but his cause of death was all too familiar to travelers of the Oregon Trail. It was cholera, and the horrific bacteria killed more people on the trail than any other factor. Join collections development specialist Donna Rae Pearson and me as we examine a granite tombstone hastily carved and erected to mark the spot of another nameless cholera victim. A killer of presidents and farmers, you'll find out how this disease spread in a land with virtually no people. Later, we celebrate election day when we play Six Degrees of William Allen White, This week, we connect White, a Pulitzer Prize-winning author from Kansas, to Sarah Palin, the governor of Alaska and potential vice president. Did the Whites like to join the Palins for a seasonal Alaskan moose hunt? Find out when we play another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White. But first, travel in the time of cholera. You dug yourself into a liar's hole. Good morning, Donneray. Good morning, Today we are going to talk about a tombstone that belonged to a man named S.M. Marshall. Um, you actually wrote about this tombstone for your last Cool Things essay. Um, it's an irregular-shaped slab of granite rock uh, that was recovered on a farm near Wamigo, correct?
1: Uh-huh, that's right.
0: And I think it was recovered in the 1920s. Um, but it was carved with Marshall's name much earlier than the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Um, today, we know that Marshall was a victim of a deadly killer. Yes, and we'll go into that. But first, um, let's uh, let's find out exactly what Mr. Marshall was doing in Kansas. Um, the tombstone, like I said, was found near Wamigo on the Oregon Trail. Um, why was there a trail named as such, and uh, when did the trail operate?
1: Well, the Oregon Trail was the overland route to um, the western part of the United States, and it came about about in the 1840s, the early 1840s, and um, it actually connected with the Santa Fe Trail. So the Oregon Trail led up to Oregon.
0: Ah, uh-huh. uh, yes, right. yes, yes.
1: Oregon Trail went to Oregon. <laughs> Let and me then, guess, where did the
0: Santa Fe Trail go?
1: It went down south through. Santa Fe, so... (laughs) But it also ended up in California, and um, we believe that's probably where uh, Marshall was headed.
0: He was headed to California. Yeah, Any idea why?
1: He he was a gold seeker. He went in 1849, so... Ah,
0: the 49ers. Yes, he was a 49er. Nice. The tombstone is engraved with Marshall's name. He is believed to have been traveling from Wadesboro, Kentucky. Um, Who was Marshall or who was Marshall, and um, and can you tell us any more about what he was doing in Kansas at the time?
1: Who was Marshall? We don't really know. I can't even fi- figure out what his first name was. <laughs> so, that's why we have to call him S.M. SM Marshall. Marshall. Yes, that's why he's S.M. only. Um, we believe he was part of a, a 49er party led by a person from Raidsboro, and um They were traveling. They left sometime in the early spring of 1849, and ended up in Kansas because that was one of the jumping off points onto the Oregon Trail. Kind of that,
0: like Kansas City, um, Saint Joseph area, was kind of the jumping off. That was like the last major point where people could pick up substantial supplies before they head out.
1: Right before they headed out into the vast unknown. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Marshall died of cholera. That is the uh, deadly, deadly, deadly killer. That I was referencing earlier, it turns out cholera was the biggest killer on the trail. You know, some people think of like bears or Indians as being major killers. No, it was cholera. It was a microorganism. How is it that th- how is this rapid and fatal disease transmitted on the trail? Because um, when you think of a trail, you think of people spread out, yes, um, not in a lot of contact with one another. So, how is it transmitted, and what does it actually do to a person? Yeah, I want you to explain that. that. That, (laughs) Yes. That that being disgusting.
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'm like, okay. Well, first, cholera was actually in epidemic proportions during that time period. Um, There was a big outbreak in St. Louis and in the um, Kansas City area. So it it is transmitted... um, Via, via bodily functions, Okay, okay? Um, it's the bacteria gets into your intestines, and then um, there's a lot of diarrhea, there's a lot of loss of body fluid, your body goes into shock, and then you die.
0: It's an absolutely horrific way to die, and it's yes. incredibly rapid it's from right. what I was reading.
1: You can get it in the morning and be dead by night.
0: Which, I mean, that's really, that's rather uncommon for most epidemic diseases Uh that they usually take, they usually have a little longer to affect.
1: Unfortunately, they didn't. And the bad thing about the trail was the only water sources that they had were... were streams that everybody was drinking from and doing other things in. Mm -hmm. So it was transmitted pretty quickly from one group to another so you could be upstream and getting you know you could be downstream and getting something from somebody upstream.
0: Which actually explains a little bit of this particular epidemic if um, if it if some of the first because in 1849 some of the first outbreaks were in St. Louis and um a lot of the river towns along exactly. the Missouri River, the wrong Mississippi River system. Missouri River feeds into that, and also it runs through Kansas City, and it runs through some of these other points mm-hmm. along which Marshall traveled.
1: Exactly. So, so it's so not only does the river
0: system, you know, bring goods and freight. <laughs>
1: Some other little nasty bugs along with it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and that was, you know, the bad thing since it was their only water source, and they probably didn't realize it was being transmitted that way. Um, it was kind of a vicious cycle. Drink in the morning, dead at night. Mm-hmm. So,
0: and it's and it's a little bit ironic because it's it's um, cholera is fairly. Easy to prevent, you know? You just basically washing your hands and Mm -hmm. you're not gonna have a problem with it.
1: Well washing your hands, sanitizing the water, little chlorination. Um everything that we do today, you know, cuts out it pretty quickly, pretty Mm -hmm. easily. Mm -hmm. And the way that you treat it, unfortunately again for them, was you replace the fluids. And their only fluid was more contaminated water. Exactly.
0: The story of Marshall's traveling party's um, journey is a little bit tragic. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what happened to them on their route uh, on the Oregon Trail?
1: Well, by the after leaving the Kansas City area, by the time they got to Lawrence, um, Marshall had contracted the disease. It's how we don't know. And then by the time he got to Wamigo, which is just you know, barely a day's travel away, he was already dead. Mm-hmm. And, um, or he was dying, de- dying. So some just, of the risks.
0: Just so the listeners know, Lawrence is like maybe 30 minutes by car, uh, 30 minutes from Kansas City, and then Wamigo is probably by car, like another hour and a half maybe yeah. from Lawrence. Yeah. So. Not a very far distance They didn't get too far On their journey (laughs) No
1: He did not make it He did not see that Golden promised land No (laughs) Some of the rest of his party Did though And that's how we have You know A vague account Of what actually Happened to Marshall Um, A letter was sent back And That's how we know A little bit of his story The person who created His tombstone Who carved out His tombstone um, did make it to California But he died Before he got back too So And Along the Oregon Trail, there were many deaths. A lot of them weren't recorded. Um, so we just know that, you know, in the month of 1849 in May, about 41 people died along the trail. mm mm-hmm. So
0: it is interesting in that we don't have much information. Really, the only information we have about them is, like, exactly in the case of this tombstone is people that survived,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who, who just went through a rather traumatic event, and then the tombstones that were found along the way. Because right. Marshall's isn't the only tombstone you can see from 1849. If you go to, to Amigo, Kansas, you can see tombstones in places that date, and a lot of them yes. come from 1849. Uh-huh. Marshall's tombstone, um, it's a big granite slab, looks a little bit improvised. Um, It looks like somebody just basically grabbed the closest rock. Uh, Why such an improvised tombstone?
1: Well, because we're in Kansas, (laughs) and you don't have a lot of materials to work with. Um, The guy probably did just grab the closest rock, inscribed it, and Marshall was actually lucky that he had someone who would do that for him. Most of the people, as I said before, along the trail, it was such, you know, a hard travel um, that most parties didn't even bother marking the graves, they the people who died were lucky just to get buried mm-hmm.
0: and well, I could under you know honestly I could understand a reluctance to handle the dead body of someone yeah. who just died of cholera
1: yeah you know someone who died in the morning <laughs> and, you know was fine in the morning and dead at night mm-hmm. uh, yeah I wouldn't be touching him either <laughs>
0: yeah well uh, on to my final question Cholera wasn't the only devastating epidemic killing people in the mid-19th century. There's a whole plethora of epidemic diseases killing people. I know, Um, we could go on. (laughs) It was a rough time. Um, And it inspired a little game I like to call Name That Disease. So Donna Ray, I will give you the name of a famous victim, and you tell me if if it was cholera that killed them. All righty. Okay, you ready? Mm -hmm. We'll start out with President James K. Polk. Did he die? What did he die of?
1: Well, Merle, he actually did die of cholera.
0: (laughs) Very good, very good. He
1: died, you know, within 103 days, I think, or something like that, of retiring from his presidency. Which
0: is probably the most tragic part of it. He just finishes up his term as president. Yeah. He's 103 days into retirement.
1: You know, he should be having fun, doing something, traveling, and no. Instead, he
0: contracts (laughs) cholera. And it's interesting because I think he actually was part of the same outbreak that killed Mr. Marshall.
1: Yes, he died in 1849 that... also.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, President William Henry Harrison. Cholera?
1: Well, actually, no. <laughs> he died of pneumonia.
0: Uh, another horrific oh, disease, disease
1: I know. <laughs> he died. You know, actually, he he couldn't even get through his presidency. He died within thirty two days of becoming president. So how bad would that be? <laughs> and I mean, you have to
0: also keep in mind that these are acting presidents and former presidents you're probably not going to get much more, much better medical attention.
1: That's true. That's a very still, good point. <laughs> they're still dying of this stuff.
0: Okay. Yes. Next we have Daniel Morgan Boone, uh, founder of Kansas City and the son of the um, frontiersman Daniel
1: Boone. All right. Um, I'm actually going to guess that he did die of cholera, you know, just thinking about when he was alive and— And he didn't. He wasn't a president, so he didn't have that good medical treatment. (laughs) He didn't. He was
0: out on the frontier. (laughs) Yes. And you are correct. And finally, Ellen O'Hara.
1: Oh, this is a trick one, isn't it? It is a
0: little (laughs) bit tricky because she's a fictional character, Character, right?
1: She's the mother
0: of Scarlett O'Hara. Uh huh. She died of something.
1: Well, I'm going to say no, that she didn't. But do you know what she died from?
0: I do know what she died from. Okay. She died of typhoid fever.
1: Oh, okay. Uh,
0: I don't know. Um, if I remember mm-hmm. in the movie, it was a pretty graceful death, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm I don't, looking for that in the honestly, real life. Obviously, <laughs>
0: not the same situation with cholera.
1: <laughs> I think you can linger a little bit with typhoid, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. Well, uh, Donna Ray, thanks for telling us a little bit about uh, Mr. Marshall and his tombstone.
1: All right. Well, thank you for having me.
0: For another round of six degrees of William Allen White. Joining me today is Assistant Registrar Nikayla Zimmerman. Hello. And the museum's assistant director, Rebecca Martin. Howdy. This week's challenge was to connect William Allen White, the newspaper editor from Emporia, Kansas, to the original maverick, Sarah Palin, the governor of Alaska Alaska and potentially the vice president of the United States. And uh, we're actually recording this session on November 3rd, but it won't be broadcast until November 5th, the day after the election day, which will mean by then we will know who the next president of the United States will be. Mm -hmm. Um, So we could probably go ahead and start addressing her as Vice President Palin.
2: I'm no. not willing to make mm. that leap. I don't know not why yet. I her as governor. Okay. Let's just call it. It could Sarah be Palin.
0: close. <laughs> could be close. We can't call it right now. So, just a little bit of general background on uh, Governor Palin. She was born in Idaho in 1964, uh, but moved to Alaska as a child so her father could teach high could teach high school uh, track and English, I believe. Hmm. Uh, after attending a variety of community colleges and universities, I think there was four different universities she went to. Um, Palin graduated from the University of Idaho um, shortly after competing in the Miss Alaska pageant. Her political career began when she ran for city council member in Wasilla, Alaska, uh, where she later served as mayor. And on August 29, 2008, the Republican presidential nominee John McCain selected Sarah Palin to run as his vice presidential uh, running mate.
2: Has it only been since August 29th? It seems like it's been a year. It
0: seems like it's been substantially longer. Yeah.
2: All those political flyers and commercials and calls that have been coming in. Well, don't worry. The next election will start November 6th. yeah. (laughs)
0: Something to look forward to. There you go. So uh, I'll start with my solution. Um, in 2006, while running for the governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin addressed uh, the convention of the Alaskan Independence Party, of which her husband was a member, but I don't believe that she ever became a member. Um, the Alaskan Independent Party is an in-state political party that advocates for the secession of Alaska and the creation of a separate state or a separate Separation. nation. Um, It's a little bit fuzzy what exactly their goals are. It shifts at times. Sometimes they want to actually secede and join with Canada. Sometimes they want to take the Yukon and make their own little country. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard to work out the details on that kind of stuff.
2: That's where the maverick comes in.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's where the (laughs) maverick comes in. Um, The founder of the AIP, or the Alaskan Independence Party, was Joe Vogler. Considered an extremist by some, Vogler had a certain disdain for America, or the lower 48. He once stated, I'm an Alaskan, not an American. I've got no use for America and her damned institutions. Oddly enough, Vogler was born in 1913 in in the town of Barnes, Kansas, and later attended the University (laughs) of Kansas, which was the same school that William Allen White attended.
1: So he so wasn't fun. even an
2: Alaskan. No. No. But, you know, where is Barnes? Is, do you know Barnes
0: is um, north of Topeka here, oh, I okay. would say. I Not very far. It's kind of up in the Seneca, like between Seneca and mm-hmm. Marysville, I think.
2: Uh, The reason I ask is because we've had discussions in the past in the museum about collecting objects to represent the secessionist movement in Kansas, which hasn't been very active in a while, but for a time, southwestern Kansas and the panhandles of Texas and Oklahoma, I think maybe even southeastern Colorado, they were going to secede and create their own state, not their own nation, but their own state. Mm -hmm. So I wondered if, you know, he had this, his... Party had anything to do with that, but apparently not.
0: Um, I don't think I don't think he would really care at all what what places in the middle of no. uh, in the middle of the U.S. are going to do. No. In
1: the stinky um, lower forty-eight.
0: He was a he was a very. Um, Uh, interesting sounding guy. His death was a little bit mysterious. Um, And what I just read there is like pretty mild compared to some of the stuff he said about America. Mm -hmm. And um, he ended up having a rather mysterious death where his body was found in a gravel pit outside of Fairbanks, Alaska. Nobody's quite sure what happened. (laughs)
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) So, uh, So there you go. Start
2: messing around with countries, see what happens.
0: I guess that's, you know... Start secessionist movements, never works out
1: well.
0: (laughs) All right, Nikayla, do you have a solution?
1: I do have a solution, and mine is not nearly as serious as all that. Um, As we all know, recently, Tina Fey has been portraying Sarah Palin on Saturday Night Live. An actress and
0: comedian that started her career on Saturday Night Live, correct?
1: Um, Yeah, Tina Fey wrote and co-starred in the film Mean Girls, which was produced Mm -hmm. by Paramount Pictures. And um, Paramount is believed to have launched the careers of many of the early famous film stars, including Douglas Fairbanks, who oh. we uh, know from yes. previous uh, podcast uh-huh. met William Allen White in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Mm-hmm.
0: So, S- Sarah Palin through a pseudo Sarah Palin mm-hmm. um, to Douglas Fairbanks. Yeah. Nicely done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks. All right, Rebecca, can you give us the challenge for uh, the next episode?
2: Yes, we are going to enter the deep reaches of space. Echo, echo, echo. Um, (laughs) As we attempt to connect... William Allen White to humanity's last hope, the Battlestar Galactica.
0: I'm so excited about this.
2: <laughs> Was this your idea, Mark? Oh, yeah. Uh, who else's idea could it possibly be? So you described this as an epic sci-fi opera.
0: I yeah. couldn't if I had other flowery words to describe it, I would have <laughs> used them.
2: First appeared on television in 1978, but flopped after only one season, and mm. I remember that very well. Um, <laughs> really had a thing for the guy who played Starbuck at the yeah. time. Who was male? I think is Starbuck Starbucks a female a woman star. in this? Yeah, in this mm-hmm. version, which uh, started up again in two thousand and three, the Sci-Fi Network revamped it um, to we hope, succeed. Mm-hmm. It apparently it's been around since 2003. So.
0: It's doing quite well, but it'll be wrapping up this year. They set an end date really? for it. To, and Not that it's because it's not successful. It's very successful, but they wanted an end date for it. And the last couple episodes are about to come out. That's why I decided to do this now.
2: You know a lot about this. <laughs>
0: Well, <laughs> do I know how to connect it to William White? I sure don't. I probably won't figure it out in about until ten minutes before we record it. But
2: it's they're always doable. All
0: right, so if you th- if you want to help connect William White to some fracking toasters, just send your chain of command to podcasts at kshs. That's podcast with an s. This concludes episode 67, Travel in the Time of Cholera. If you would like to see images of Mr. Marshall's tombstone, go to our website, kshs.org, and click on the podcast icon. Join us in two weeks for our special Thanksgiving edition. The first Thanksgiving in 1621 forever altered European and Native American relations. At times mutually beneficial. At times violent, these two cultures have coexisted for almost 400 years. Join curator Laurel Fritsch and me as we examine a pipe tomahawk. Based on a native design, Europeans used local woods and German silver to fashion these decorative axes. Given to tribal elders, these weapons have become a hybrid status symbol of two clashing cultures. This podcast is a production of the Kansas Historical Society. Real people, real stories.